Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part two of three parts of program from Monday, December 12th, 2022. My guest was David Soldier and our topic, Miles Davis, 1974. Wow. Wow. I'm just, every every episode, I'm crowing about something. Every episode is better than every other episode. But this one, oh my goodness. Okay, hope you enjoy it as much as David Soldier and I did. We had a great time doing this. And the music, to me, is just stunning. So here's part two. Enjoy.
we are in it. We are in it now. You are in Willimantic, Connecticut. It's January 26, 1974. David Soldier, you were there. Do you remember? Was it a cold and blustery night as it is in New York? Oh, hell, that I don't remember. It <laughs> no, must have been. Can't give us a full weather report. I'm disappointed. <laughs> but, uh, and we're listening to this live recording. Uh, really stunning that we have this to play for you 40, almost 49 years later. But uh, Miles Davis, it's billed as Miles Davis Septet, which is how one sees it listed a lot of the time. Oh, okay, but I don't think it was there. I think it was just Miles Davis. Most likely. Um, yeah, this is, uh, the documentation is uh, with good reason uh, not to be completely trusted at face value. But we do know that uh, was uh, the uh, seven-member band of Miles Davis playing trumpet and an organ. Dave Liebman playing soprano and tenor saxophone and flute. Pete Cozy playing lead guitar and percussion. Reggie Lucas playing mostly rhythm guitar. Michael Henderson on the bass. Al Foster on the drums. James M. Tumay on congas and percussion. And maybe with a few whoops and cheers and claps uh, in the yeah, front row. Yeah, a small audience. Our yeah. guest tonight. Especially when Miles wasn't playing. And it was really featuring like Al Foster, M. Tume, Michael Henderson. Then you didn't feel, you know, if you st- if you went whoop during a mile solo, <laughs> right. you would really feel like a moron, right? <laughs> One did not do that. <laughs> you would not do that. No, 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 no. Even at those icy stairs, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. knew better. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you were there. You were there, and you, as you said, you were not only as you said that uh, you worked your way up to the front row, but there's photographic proof. You didn't have to work your way to the up row. There, I mean, that's what's <laughs> funny. It's like there weren't that many people there. You know, this is an interesting thing to me. I'm not a musician. You are. Um, I have, I've been on tour with musicians, and I've heard people play like, eh. There's nobody in the house tonight. Uh, we'll just play a short set and, you know, whatever, pack oh, it in. Oh, thank God these guys weren't like that. These guys, that's what I was going to say, were not like that at all. They came to do their business, and they're doing it. And, I mean, it does sound like the audience is really with them, small oh, though yeah. they may be. Yeah. But you don't really seem to – they're not playing to the cheap seats. They are – there's work to be done. It's a cheap bar. It's a, you know, it's a 50 cent a beer bar. But it but, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. You know, it, it is Carnegie no. Hall for these guys, I think. Or, you know, I mean, they're bringing the My, same. One thing that, that struck me about Miles being, you know, so broke at, at that age was uh, I, I remember him taking a beer, putting it up on the organ and not drinking the whole thing. And I said, <laughs> wow, he's so rich he doesn't have to drink his whole beer. <laughs> Drank half his beer. <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. Well, that was – so. As we said, we were saying earlier, there's this, um, I was saying there's this big vocabulary they make available to themselves, despite what naysayers at the time said about it Mm -hmm. being, quote unquote, oh, they're just jamming on vamps. We heard some really new textures in there. Mm. Maybe you could break that down a little bit. Well, we had a couple of, uh, um, to the audience... Mitch and I had a couple of disagreements. Did we? Gentlemen disagreements <laughs> over what was happening. So we just heard a hell of a lot of music. I mean, that was nearly 40 minutes of music, right, with those two pieces together? Yeah. 35 well, minutes? Uh, yeah. You can I'm add it. Getting up there. Yeah. That was a lot of music we heard together. And um, 
whoever made the notes on this, and it could have been Dave Liebman, broke them into two pieces. Turn around phrase. That you can hear if you listen several times. They refer to da 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 da. But we also noticed that was a little bit in tune in five. And, and uh, I mean, I can't tell you if this was exactly, if this has been changed a little bit or cut up from the original, but I can tell you that there weren't, there weren't really breaks in the set. So we didn't know what the songs were and what they weren't, and, you know, the, speaking as the audience. So, um, yeah, I there, can only imagine that it must have just been. Also, like, it was very late at night, right? Yeah. So he started, I'm going to say he started at 1 a.m., and maybe it was 12, but it was late. And uh, I, I realized, I don't know if this was Miles Davis's thinking or not. It could have been. But being a performer now and having played both you know, commercial and very unusual music, I find that if you play to a very late night audience, mm. that can be magic because mm-hmm. they're not going to go like, oh, gee, you know, and especially, I mean, if you're the, the great player – and music conceptualist of the century like Miles was. Um, oh, my God, what's he doing now? Oh, he shouldn't be doing that. He should be doing this and all that. Well, it's really light, and, and that just goes away. And you just you just listen. You just allow it to, to come, come in. And for some of my own projects, like when I had a, a Middle Eastern uh, flamenco kind of group, uh, which I call the Spinozas, at, at, uh, we used to play tonic quite a bit, and I would ask for the midnight set because the audience was just better. They weren't going like, oh, my God, you're doing this and this, and you're singing in Arabic and Hebrew and all this. And they didn't do it. They just, they just listened. So it's a very good way to – and it was smart at the Shabu Inn. So you're relatively small audience, like you're saying, 50, 60 people, I'm guessing, uh, but listening intently and uh, – and it's light, and you can do anything. I I wonder if that was going through the band's head. We can do anything, and we're, we're yeah, we we know we're going to play Carnegie in a, a month or wherever they're going to be. Um, this is the time to work, you know, to 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 really figure out what we're doing. So the disagreements Mitch and I were having were on some of the instrumentation. So there was a a long period in there when uh, there was a kalimba-like instrument. And typically, I do remember, and I've also since seen videos, so M. Tume had a, a little slit drum, small size slit drum, that he would play with mallets and he put on top of his conga, and I, I remember him doing that. But I also seem to, so Pete Cozy had a, had a uh, desk in front of him, like a school desk. So he had like two or three guitars on the side. And, then and he, he's playing sitting down. Right? Yeah, he's playing Every, sitting down. All the rest down. of the guys are standing, and he's a That's right, he's sitting down. down. And um, he... Uh, had all these instruments in front of him. Well, one of them we heard about 10 minutes ago, and that's a quika or talking drum. That's the thing, thing going whoop, whoop, whoop. So that's, if you listen back to it now, this, this is going to be on the web. So on, on yeah, Mitch's, uh, you can listen to it as many site, times So now as you can want. listen to it. And uh, you're going to hear then when that's happening, you're not hearing uh, Pete Cozy's guitar. Uh, Reggie Lucas is still playing, but he's not playing single note stuff. So that goes away. He's playing the quika. But what's that other instrument? Mm. And sometimes, and I, I think I also remember, sometimes I'm too, I definitely remember Miles, This because this impressed me, that sometimes Miles would play trumpet with one hand and organ at the same time. And I'm not sure, 
but I think it's possible that M. Tume was playing conga with one hand and going back and forth with the with the slit drum, but I'm not sure. I, I'm thinking that Pete Cosimud had a kalimba, and I just and that was in there for what five minutes? Yeah, there was yeah lengthy. But we're going like okay, which instrument is this? Is kalimba or slit drum? And I have to honestly say I don't know. Um, to I, my ear, it sounded. I may be generalizing. I think of the slit drum having more of a pure tone kind of sound, and the um, the kalimba having kalimba's a buzz. Got, I mean, well, sometimes people put little beads on it and stuff, but even if it's not prepared in that way, um, you know, the way it that could it, it be. bends. So one of the you were talking about. Uh, Sorry to cut you off, Mitch, but it's Please. just my want. <laughs> Have a um, hat, man. So we were t- you, you said we should talk a, a bit about Pete Cozy, this yeah. astonishing guitar player. So he's yeah. from, Ch- well, I believe he's from Chicago. And, uh, That's uh, certainly where he made his name. And he he was playing, he was in the chess band. Yeah, chess record. So that's why he's on, you know, Fontel, he's on Rescue Me and on Electric Mud and a whole bunch of, uh, probably, these scores are- and scores of... Records where, Classic of course, blues, he's not playing. Muddy yeah, he's waters, not playing. Like a, Bass. But you listen to him here, and you go, "This is out of Buddy Guy. This is out of BB King. This is out of, you know, a lot of it's. Of course, it's out of, everybody who's listening at this point knows Jimi Hendrix, and they all go, oh, yeah, he's out of Hendrix. Yeah, he is. But he's also out of deeply out of the Chess Record Chicago Blues thing. He's out of Hubert Sumlin and out of." Uh, uh, you know uh, Otis Rush and stuff like that. You can hear all that. He's when he wants to be. I mean, he can he can do uh, uh, kind of James Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he can do that stuff too. Uh, what you know, called chicken picking. He yeah, can do yeah. that, and he did that a little bit in the, about ten minutes ago. One of the points where the band stops. That's you know I I saw that. That's Miles doing a little gesture, and they know that means stop. And then he starts him up again with another little gesture. They stop and they don't stop, right? Because uh, Al Foster's still playing. But but Bass Miles controlled still... that too. Yeah. So, um, you know, exactly how he did it. I, I can't tell you, but I saw it. I, I don't know. So he's, see, Miles started Butch Morris too. There we go. You know, Graham, Graham Haynes, I mentioned this earlier, called a little bit earlier. He said exactly that. He said, oh, I yeah. remember when I first was exposed to... Uh, Graham, my apologies if I'm misrepresenting this, and you didn't say it was for say it attribution, backwards. but that um, when he first encountered Butch, who was he played a great deal with him, was a big influence on him. Yeah. He was like, "Oh yeah, I know this." That Miles had done that, and it probably goes back, as Graham was saying, to territory bands and these head arrangements and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was well. I, I believe I was in the first conduction band that Butch had. Wow, um, and it was. Uh, we had a violin section, which was Jason Wong, Billy Bang, and myself. Wow. And we had a great time. But trying to understand what Butch was doing, he was just starting this stuff. It was at a place called The Shuttle in East 5th Street. And uh, I, I can tell you the names of the – his brother, Wilbur, was playing yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there were some great players. Uh, but it was confusing <laughs> knowing what he was getting at. I, I think with time, you know – Butch worked it out. I, I know we're a little off topic here, but it's related. Well, for listeners who don't know, Butch Morris developed a very... Played cornet. He played a beautiful he, cornet player, yeah. mm-hmm. which he sort of turned away from in favor of this craft of conduction mm-hmm. and leading large ensembles, improvising ensembles, which he led with a whole 
language of ge- mm-hmm. hand gestures mm-hmm. and uh, um, so well, yeah, he, he credited Horace Tapscott, I believe. Yeah, but which uh, who I never heard, but had a big, well-known big band in Los Angeles. Oh yes, yeah. knowing what you knew, having worked with Butch and having seen Miles Davis doing what he was doing, is is there? A, some... I'd say uh, well, it seemed like. In Miles's band, they knew exactly what he wanted. And I would say that probably people that worked with Butch later, they probably did. I think he started to, but we were going like, huh? You know, um, sometimes, sometimes it was very clear. You know, who's really carried this on in a beautiful, beautiful way is Jason Wang. Yeah. Jason yeah. is doing this conduction stuff. It's, it's you know, he, he does write out some themes and some harmonies, but it's basically conduction. And uh, he, he's he's doing a fantastic job of moving that, of taking that tradition and moving it and Yet that moving it on. Craft uh, reached in a lot of directions very strongly, and there are a number of musicians who are carrying that forward. Adam Rudolph mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. doing a lot of that kind of work. Yeah. Um, and um, but I do want to tell the audience: check out Jason Wang. Yes. H H W A N G is a uh, often. Jason Kao, K-A-O, Wang. Look up his stuff. Um, his string orchestra stuff is, uh, and I'm proud to have produced one of his records, I think the first string orchestra record he did. Um, it's just, it's astonishing. And it's all done live. Every single time would be totally different. Another thing I'm thinking that needs to be said for listeners who might not know now, Miles Davis has been gone for 30 years. He, you were talking about the musicians following these seemingly small gestures. Nobody in the room could ever take their eyes off of Miles never, Davis never. for one second. You're right. Not anybody in the audience, nope. not anybody on the stage. He had, some of it was pure mystique. Yep. And... And the rest of it was a combination of inner fire and everything you knew that he had achieved in his life and all these other things coming together. But whatever it was, he was he had that charismatic presence. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it did not take much. He did not have to do a lot to get the world to seem to spin around his gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a, a topic. It would be interesting to explore on another day. But, yeah, he was uh, unbelievable at that. Yeah. And everyone in the audience, you know. And there was also – no, it's just going to take us off track. But but <laughs> what you said is absolutely correct. Nobody could take – you could not stop looking at Miles. Yeah. And even with all that business about, oh, he's doing this and that on stage. No, he, he knew exactly what he was doing all the time. It always burns me up with uh, – and people act like a, a musician doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, this is these are people that have honed their craft for with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. They know, ex, you know, ex, you know the good people. They know exactly what they're doing. And, and he evolved a whole new musical language that, several times. Several and, t- and this yeah. one, a particularly marked uh, version. Yeah, that was so different than anything before, and you know, I'm, I, st- I still say, and it's, a lot of stuff has come out of this, but it's not 
it, it hasn't, it's still ahead. It's still ahead now. David Soldier is my guest, and... And I talk too much, but I'm going to talk a little <laughs> bit more. This is going to be about the next piece we're going to hear, yeah, which man. is apparently the end of the set. So this is a Garta Prelude. This is an interesting one. And so for people, including myself, that sometimes can feel a little bit rootless, you notice that there were two false endings, quote, in, the, in what we just heard in the last, you know, 35 minutes. Um, a Garta Prelude is the only tune we're going to hear from this evening, the recording this evening, that has what what jazz musicians call a head. It has a it has a real melody. The turnaround phrase is really just da 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 da, which you heard if you were listening, you heard numbers times. It also ended up in tune in five, um, supposedly a different tune, and stuff there anyway. Agarta, which uh, uh, um, uses almost the same notes, um, and um, but a different rhythm. Let's see. Chung, 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 chung. Well, I'll remember it. You'll hear it. And it shows up over and over again. So this piece is is a little bit – it's still pretty long. It's probably 12 minutes or so. But you're going to hear the phrase – I wrote it down. You're going to hear it at one minute. You're going to hear it at two minutes. You're going to hear it at five minutes. You're going to hear it at – close to eight minutes. So you're going to hear this phrase that sounds like a Sly in the Family Stone or maybe a James Brown type brass phrase, except it's a little quote dissonant at the end of the, um, at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the phrase. And you're going to hear it come, come back multiple times. So this is, uh, I, I guess, this is the one that has maybe the most, it also has another false ending, so be ready for that. And then it's, it's, uh, and then he actually, I believe, ended the set with this one, I think. I think you're right. And we it's got a have backbeat, a whole... and it's got a funky melody. And it kind of, so this is the one, to my mind, that relates the most to the popular music of the time. And, you know, in some ways it doesn't sound all – some of the horn stuff, I mean, it's still Dave Liebman, Miles, and, and Pete Cozy, but – Sometimes it sounds an awful, awful lot like uh, something that the, the, the great trumpet and, um, and uh, uh, sax player would do with Sly. And, there, yeah, I mean, so many great bands playing and emerging at that time in that idiom. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a very rich period for that kind of music, for sure. It's WKCR. The show's called Deep Focus. And David Soldier is demonstrating why we call it that. You are in it, man. Yeah, you we're had, in the zone. <laughs> you are stunning to we're talk about this. We're in the listening this. zone. We're at the Shabu Inn in Willamantic, Connecticut, January 26, 1974. And you were there. You were. This is incredible. And you talked earlier in the show about absorbing yourself so completely in this music. It's funny you say that and you, and you said, like, and after an hour or so, I started to figure out what was going on. I, <laughs> okay, little sidebar. I remember going to the mall with a buddy of mine. We were around the age you were then, maybe a little bit younger. And, you know, we'd heard, um, you know, some classic miles from the 50s. And we wanted to hear what else there was, like mm-hmm. kind of blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they had two Miles Davis records at the mall store. One was Live Evil. One was wow. Bitches Brew. My yeah. buddy took Bitches Brew. I took Live Evil. We both went home. And 
it scared the pants off of me. Yeah. And uh, I think he returned Bitches Brew, and I hung on to Live <laughs> yeah. Evil, which I still have. Yeah. And I remember a couple of years later too. pulling it out and going, I, I couldn't understand what it was that I didn't get. It was so manifest there. But to think that you had this experience live and we were talking. And totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. I, I thought we were going to hear, you know, milestones. I <laughs> yeah. mean, honestly, or, you know, so, something like that. I, Footsteps. I, That's what I was expecting. Yeah. And I think it's really quite an achievement of yours as a listener to have found your way into it in such a short period of time. And I can only imagine how literally scandalizing this must have been on your brain pan. Oh, yeah. To be exposed to this. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that 49 years later, you and I are sitting here and you're talking about it. And then I didn't forget it. When Ross Moshe steered me to these, I go, it's exactly the way I remember it. That's It's just, you know, a little better, um, a little better acoustics. You were talking about the importance in music like this of listening. I would add to that the importance of paying attention. And your attention was so riveted with that moment that I think that is why you can yeah. say what you say and, and the things that you're saying. And now being able to shed some light on what was happening. And to hand it over to other people to listen yeah. to. Yeah. Because I bet there are people listening now that are going like, holy cow. And the, even as old as this music is, it's changing them too. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Some of you out there. So, okay. So turn around phrase, da, 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 da. The Agarta prelude is a little similar, but it's funkier. Da, do, 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 do. Da, do, do. Right? It's almost the same, but it's got, it's, it's, it's not, da, it's not these eighth notes. Da, 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 da. It's da, 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 da. Da, da, da. And then they go, da, da, da. Da, da, da. Okay, so listen to that. That's going to show up over and over again. And it's the only thing you're going to hear recorded from this night that has a theme like that. And Dave Liebman and Miles are playing it together in harmony over and over. And then Pete Cozy quotes it. Miles Davis, trumpet. Dave Liebman reads. Pete Cozy, guitar and percussion. Reggie Lucas, also guitar. Michael Henderson on the bass. Al Foster on the drums. M. Tumay on congas and percussion. It's from the WKCR archives. It's Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman here with Dave Soldier. And here's music from Miles Davis. Thank you. 
one of those voices, and my guess is it's probably one of the louder ones. <laughs> <laughs> one of the low pitch. Well, I already had a low voice even back then, even as a teenager. I had a boomy voice. Yes, it's him. They told me I was good for radio when I was a kid. See? It's uh, David Soldier's here in the studio with me. It's such a privilege, really, for me to have you here. And I Likewise, Mitch. Well. Long-term fan. I would have said that even if I hadn't, and I probably Even if I guessed. wasn't sitting across from you. Yeah. <laughs> you should hear the things I say when you're not in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you forgot that Mike is live. <laughs> and recording. I should say, um, well, uh, so you're listening. If you just tuned in, you're saying, that sounded like Miles Davis. What record is that? It is a recording from the WKCR archives. It was made at the Shabu Inn in Willimantic, Connecticut, January 26, 1974. And in the audience was my guest, Dave Soldier, who, you know, you are not here because of that. If you don't know David Soldier's music, Soldier String Quartet, all the astonishing, revelatory things that David's been a part of and all the, I mean, Tons of music from downtown and far beyond. Um, how do people keep up with all the things you do? How do you do you promote it, announce it? Where do people find I, your I stuff? I don't do promotion, Mitch. That I just don't. Um, you know, I have a full, more than full-time job. And so I make the music and do the recordings and, uh, and essentially don't do much promotion. Um, well, but we have a you know, record label. Um, and uh, there's a ton of stuff on Spotify and Amazon, lots of CDs for people that like CDs and LPs. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not very good at promotion, and I guess I'm, I'm not sure I'm bragging about it or apologizing about it. Well, You know, a lot, of, a lot of musicians, understandably, put a tremendous amount of work into promotion. You kind of have to, and, and I don't. Um, I have different... You know, I'm not making, I'm not trying to make my living as, as a player. I, I did when I was 20 and 21. I was touring all the time. And, and it's one reason, because I was already touring when I was 20 years old, that's one of the things that made me think, I don't want to depend on touring for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that's I, why I developed a, a career that would be interesting and I could make a living. And then, and also do you know, the nice part of that is, well, okay, you uh, you don't have time for promotion, but you have enough time to make the music you'd like to, to do. If people are hearing this show and they're curious about hearing more, what where would anything you can point them to? Sure. Well, I mean, these days you just go to uh, Apple Music or, or Spotify and look up my name. That's probably the easiest. And I have a website, davesoldier.com. And, you know, we could go for other stuff that's, you know, I've been involved in producing and so on. EEG Records, which is also was called Mulata Records. Uh, we've changed the name recently, but you can go to mulata.org, O-R-G. Um, and uh, we're very proud of having released a great deal of wonderful material, um, you know, uh, all different flamenco music and um uh, by Pedro Cortez, I was mentioning Jason Wang's record, Vince Bell's record, which is very unusual country western folk stuff, um, uh, um, music for the Thai Elephant Orchestra. You know, the, another favorite of mine. Thank you. 
And so a lot of the idea with that label was just let's release stuff that would not get released anywhere else. And and we have a lot of beautiful, beautiful work on, on, on that label that we're very proud of. Well, I do recommend Find Your Way to the Music of David Soldier, spelled like S-O-L-D-I-E-R. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll be richly rewarded. They can, and I'm sure everybody knows from hearing you talk about this Miles Davis music, how impassioned you are and knowledgeable and not doesn't come off to me like book knowledge. It's the nuggets hard-earned from a lot of dedicated attention and listening, and uh, thank you for sharing it with us. It's, it's a pleasure, Mitch. Thanks. So we're moving into the second set. It's got to be, what, now it's 2 o'clock in the morning? And... I, I think so, yeah. And so uh, there's the, the fellow who kindly posted this on the web has some writing on it and says, I'm guessing this is two different nights. And I'm going to say, if we can get in touch with the person who did this, I'm pretty sure it's the first night because, and I think it's accurate, there were two nights, and I hope somebody can find the Sunday recordings. Um, but the reason I think so is because I remember so clearly. So during the, there was a break, and I go back with my three fr- friends, and we're sitting there. And even during the break, nobody can take their eyes off of Miles. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we're all, and it's not a very big audience, so we're all watching what Miles is doing during the break, and we're sitting there gossiping and talking I'm, and I'm kind talking of... about the music and all that stuff, but half our eyes on Miles. And he finds this woman in the audience, and he hugs her for about five minutes, just hugs her. <laughs> and one of my friends, one of the women was saying, that, that's got to be the coolest woman on earth. <laughs> you know? So I remember that, and I also remember how, I mean... If I hugged a friend for five minutes, I, I could not get away with that. I would seem like, what, Dave, what the hell are you doing? But it, among other things, you know, so uh, I don't know. It was kind of a lesson to me. Also seeing because, you know, he could be so growly and, and uh, you know, staring at the audience and like looking like you morons and stuff like that, which, of course, the, the audience ate up. It's kind of similar to frankly to Lou Reed right you didn't want Lou Reed to be to be nice uh, to the audience because you go like that's not what we're here for but but, you know I whatever it is um but you would also see just like in his music all right like the music we've been hearing a lot of it sounds oh my god it's so aggressive and everything and yet sometimes you hear it and you go like oh it's so warm I'm it's like somebody's hugging me for five minutes yeah. It's the same thing. And maybe maybe it's even more powerful because you got both sides. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I remember. Yeah. So I know that there was a break. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of amazed just by the fact that he was lingering around, uh, you know, seemingly quasi-meet-and-greet mode at all. I mean, he was not really Well, he was still for... terrifying, right? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't wasn't known for being a, a man of the people. <laughs> no, no, he, he just he seemed very, very intimidating. Yeah. But also had this, you could also see a warmth. Yeah, yeah, a- you know, absolutely. I guess if you're, these two people I'm talking about have this public personas where they can be mean and dismissive. If they didn't also have the warmth, it wouldn't matter. It's that they have both. Yeah. 
you know, that Lou Reed can write a song like I'll Be Your Mirror, which is a warm, tender song, really trying to understand somebody else and help them. And if Miles didn't also have that, including in this in this period, where sometimes you just hear it and you go like, oh my God, that's so that's so gorgeous, you know? And then and then to the next stuff, which can be very aggressive. If it if you didn't have both, it it wouldn't matter like it does. You're listening to WKCRFM New York, WKCR HD one. Maybe you're somewhere on a far corner of the earth, like Willimantic, Connecticut. I'm listening to WKCR.org. And maybe you're listening to the podcast because this is being recorded and it will be put up, as I said a little bit earlier. It's all free. You can listen whenever you want. You can email episodes to your friends. You can carry it around with you. You probably have it in your pocket right now. Well, let's say hi to Charlie Blass. Charlie Blass called in. Music director from uh, years ago on on KCR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Charlie's in Zurich. tuned in. And Charlie Blass is always... Go to sleep, Charlie. No, don't go to sleep. There's still another set. (laughs) Charlie, it won't help. Charlie's, Charlie's a night owl. Same as ever. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so this, uh, the podcast, uh, this program will be up. So maybe you missed part of the show or you want to tell a friend about what you heard, you can send it around. Yeah. It's, if you take your favorite podcasting app right now and search for deep focus, it will come up if you enjoy it. And, uh, whoever that is, they're going to have to call back. How do I, uh. How do I turn it off? I don't even know. I think you have to th- open the window and th- throw, it, throw it onto Broadway. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, if you enjoy the show, we do ask just uh, tell tell somebody else. Tell somebody else about WKCR, about Deep Focus. Click it up for some likes and stuff. It really makes a huge difference helping other people find the show. And uh, we are uh, Deep Focus. We have our guest is David Soldier, and our topic is Miles Davis, specifically this recording. From Willimantic, Connecticut, January of 1974, that miraculously we have this recording, and David Soldier was actually in the office as a young high schooler on that very night. So you are taking us through this. We heard the first set. We're leading into the second set, and where does it pick up? So uh, first tune, and I think this is correct. Uh, I'm, I hope I'm saying it right. Ife? Yeah. Who's apparently it was um, M. Tume's daughter. Was oh, named Ife. Okay. Yeah. I, and I searched just before coming here. There, there it's a, oh no, I'm sorry, Michael Henderson's daughter. Oh, okay. There is an Ife Henderson, uh, ah. so maybe I, presumably that's her. So hi, Ife, if you hear this, um, this will be like Stevie Wonder's daughter, you know, showing up with. Isn't she lovely? Aisha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Ife is. Uh, it's it's going to be a long cut. It's 22 minutes, so maybe we'll come in a little bit after that. But this this is one that does have a discernible identity, it's in the bass part. So you'll hear, after all all we just heard, now you're going to hear something that's much more calm for a while. But then it's going to get into those Miles thick chords on the Yamaha, and it's going to get a... You're about to go through a lot of changes. Um, So you're going to hear Michael Henderson playing this simple phrase throughout, I mean, not everywhere, but throughout so do 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 you're gonna hear that i think that's what gives it the name ife because there's also 
a studio recording of Ife. And then, in, uh, I just heard this this afternoon, searching it out, uh, there was a record Miles in India or uh, Miles from India, which oh, yeah. which had a lot of the players, including including uh, Michael Henderson, uh, uh, Pete Cozy, Dave Liebman, and then you know a lot of the other players from around this period recording. So Miles had some Indian musicians like Badal Roy sure. play with him. So they did a whole album after Miles passed of of some of the music with Indian musicians. And they do Ife. Oh, okay. And uh, same bass lick. Michael Henderson's playing the same bass lick. So that's why I feel pretty confident. You know, some of these songs, like you heard a few minutes ago, you heard turnaround phrase that became tune in five. And there is something very subtle that allows you to do that, including a key change. Because Mitch and I were listening, and I go, see, Miles just changed just changed key. Yeah, because he's on the new song. And so whoever made this, and these uh, cut them into cuts, and that could be Dave Liebman. I think that was it. You know, it's like we changed key, we're in a new song. But you may not hear that. You may not hear that you're in the new piece. Oh, I'm sure and being the, in the room, that probably... No, we had no idea. Yeah. And... Uh, and there's a particular M2 Me Conga lick, which I think defines it as, as this. But sometimes they can be hard to hear, so you don't know where you are. But Ife you do, because because of the Michael Henderson bass line you're about to hear. And you're going to hear some, uh, you're gonna hear s- some nice uh, flute, uh, and it's, there's a lot of openness. So it's a, we were talking before about the aggression and the warmth. Yeah, it kind of builds. It starts pretty, you know, I can picture the guys wandering out of the dressing room onto the stage. And right, it starts and with so this. now you're going to hear some of the openness, some of the quiet sometimes, and, and, and warmth that allows you to recover from the last hour plus of sometimes going like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't think I can stand up anymore, you know. There's kind of a raga-like build to it, you know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. – uh, and that's often said of Coltrane's music, it's later music oh, yeah. in particular. Absolutely. I, I'm sure there was a lot of influence of the Coltrane Quartet on this music. I'm absolutely sure of it. A lot of Africa. There's so many influences on this thing. We mentioned Sly, you know, Sly and Family. But there's, there's a lot from – now, I remember reading an interview with Miles where he was mentioning Stockhausen a lot. I'm not sure I hear it, but there is that density – especially in the organ. And then there's a hell of a lot of, you know, taking short motifs and playing with them, which is definitely Coltrane Quartet. And there's a lot of... And Stravinsky and... Yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. There's a... While this music is still music of the future, it really comes uh, from somebody who would have been the top star of defocus of all time because, (laughs) because they were hearing so much and defining a thing which is you would never confuse with anybody else, but it's still coming from the deep focus, if you will, on on, um, on other music and and absolutely the McCoy Tyner and stuff like that. I mean, you can't say Reggie Lucas and McCoy Tyner are playing the same thing, but sometimes they kind of are. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 And it's funny too because uh, looking back on it how you know, Coltrane was revered for that. And I think you know, a lot of critics admired him enormously. 
and Miles was dismissed for doing things that were very similar in in that regard. But I, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. It's well, all part that of it, stuff. Part of it was the volume. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of things. And all that thankfully melts away 48 years later. We just left. Now we're used to loud music. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole a whole other book to be written about that for sure. Yeah. And uh, the way that Al Foster was playing also was nobody was playing like him. And still, I don't think anybody was playing in this exactly like this. But, I, you know, people are more tuned to it now. And jazz heads, of course, because, you know, Sonny Murray and other people that have come along and um, well, also the seat, that seat in Miles' band, you could look at a lineage coming from Tony Williams, Tony Williams into yeah. Jack DeJanet, into yeah. Al Foster, and, yeah. you know, the idea of breaking away from conventional swing yeah. drumming was... Yeah, and of course, he was a swing drummer. He was a master swing drummer, but wasn't also he was a, a master funk drummer or whatever the hell we're going to call this. Yeah. Well, to quote Miles Davis, call it anything. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Ife, Ife, a little, a little breath. Well, more than a little breath. It's about twenty minutes long. So, All right. Um, here we go. Get ready. Listen. Put, put your seatbelt on. It's deep focus. I'm Mitch Goldman here with David Soldier, and we are listening to Miles Davis in Willimantic, Connecticut, a show he attended in January 1974. It's deep focus on WKCR. <laughs> That is part two of this program from Monday, December 12th, 2022. David Soldier, my guest, our topic, Miles Davis, and this really explosive show that David was part of. He was in the audience. You know, as far as we're concerned, part of what Deep Focus is about, the audience is part of the show. There is no show without the live audience. You have to be there in the room. David is in the room. He is part of what made this program happen. And uh, it's one of the really, truly startling things about this entire program. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, let me suggest you should subscribe to this show. Pick your favorite podcasting app. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're, you know, uh, most of the places you look. You'll find Deep Focus. You can always find us at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And you can also follow us along on Instagram. We are Deep Focus Podcast, deep underscore focus underscore podcast on Instagram. We put photos up there, announce upcoming shows and all that stuff. Uh, You can also do a little bit of research Uh, maybe more than a little bit of research on past episodes of which there are hundreds. They're on my personal website, which is mitchgoldman.com, spelled the way it sounds, and pull down the About Deep Focus tab. And there's even a search bar there. You can look up anybody who's been on the program in the past. So all kinds of ways to engage with this. Uh, It's all free. We're giving it away. Uh, We're actually paying for it, not even letting you put any money in the pot. Uh, If you want to give a little something back, tell a friend. Tell somebody you know that loves this music. We are, there are a lot fewer of us than you'd think. Here's what I have found out doing this podcast for you for the last, uh, since COVID started. 
That's not when I started doing the programming. That's when I started putting the podcast together and putting them out. We have listeners all over the world, like I think up around 50 countries that I've seen people listening, but not that many of them. And surprisingly few of them who subscribe. And I think I said this, well, I don't know what episode you listen to this sequence you might listen to this in, but uh, give us some likes, subscribe, give us five stars. It's going to help people find their way to this and find the music that you care about. Okay, so uh, this was part two. Hopefully you heard part one. I will see you over at part three once again. The guest is David Soldier. The topic is Miles Davis, 1974. The program is Deep Focus. The host is Mitch Goldman. The date of this one was December 12th, 2022. Okay, see you over at part three.